We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, back Jack Manuel and special guest today, Corey Waldron. We're talking about a Nets W that clinched them a playoff berth. What's up, guys? How are we doing? Welcome to the Brooklyn How sweet it tastes. <laughs> yeah, it's just like bittersweet for me. Like, I'm happy you guys are happy, but at the same time, I just, you know, it was a frustrating game for me. Um, when have you ever been happy for me, Corey? When? Like, <laughs> I was happy that you got here safely. <laughs> that's a good thing that's fair hey. that's fair and just a quick reminder check out the show itunes black talk radio ggbasketball.com that's plug.com and youtube but break this down obviously starting the game the nets picked up w 108 96 and right from the get-go you felt good energy from the nets what were you guys thinking when you saw the first quarter yeah i thought that it immediately set the tone despite being off a back-to-back i think it was the first time in six seven years i believe nick that we've won a back-to-back on the road yeah um, i think 2014 yeah, so five years. It's And funnily enough, the 2014-15, last time we made the playoffs as well. So uh, some coincidental timing, but the, the energy was right from the get-go. Um, I believe someone posted that the Nets, had the lead, the Nets only didn't have the lead for 17 seconds. Um, it, it was their game, and it was their game from the get-go. They were just on, switched on mentally, physically, and, and they really made a mark. And uh, I wasn't as confident going into this because obviously the back-to-back, you know, uh, a great performance against the Bucks, but uh, everyone stepped stepped up. This was a massive team performance, and the paces just looked a little bit off. Uh, and despite the the Nets not necessarily playing the perfect game, uh, they just seemed to want it more. And you just right there with the, your last words, the Nets wanted this game way more than the Pacers. Um, the stat that I looked at the most was the offensive rebounds. The Nets had seventeen offensive rebounds. The Pacers had five. Uh, the Pacers just, like you said, Jack, they looked off. They it, it just. This bunch has been through a rough stretch of March, and they just look out of gas to me. Um, 
the all of the guards are struggling. Dar- uh, jo- Corey Joseph came out of it near the end of the game a little bit. But, I mean, Darren Collins has been battling a groin injury. He comes back. He's two for 12 from the field. He didn't look quite right to me. Wellesley Matthews just really isn't that much of an impact. Aaron Holiday, you like the energy he plays with, but he couldn't get shots to fall. And then, of course, Miles Turner gets hurt. Uh, then the Nets, they just executed on those mistakes. They out-hustled. They outworked the Pacers. Um, you know, Joe Harris, your guy Joe, was on fire. Uh, he, very <laughs> underrated going to the hoop. Uh, and then, you know, D'Angelo Russell really got it going in that second half. Um, you know, he was two for nine in the first half, and he really started lighting it up and put the final couple daggers in the Pacers. Before yeah, we move on, I just want to give some shout-out to the SSV, James the Flatbush, Rockstar, all rocking the, the chat right now. The, they are hype, and, and James was even saying, sorry, Corey, and he spelt it C-O-R-E-Y. So <laughs> Close enough. It's all right. Cor- Corey with a C. You're my dude. <laughs> uh, but uh, you guys talked about it. The rebounding, I thought, was huge because it wasn't necessarily like the Nets were getting offensive boards. It was a lot of tip-outs and just fighting for those loose balls. There's a couple of hustle plays that maybe the Nets wouldn't have made during the regular season late, early in the year, and they did tonight. Then just the defensive intensity from some of the guards I thought was really well. Karis LeVert, you know, Jack and I were talking to the DMs. He just brought some great energy, hands in the hands in the lane, just disrupting everything, getting those tip passes. I thought that was big. It was massive. Uh, I thought Karis LeVert was truly integral, especially on the defensive end. I think that's where it was won. You know, Corey mentioned the offensive boards, but I thought that the de- the, the effort on the defensive rebounding just to end the possession, there was some – some real energy on that sort of factor. You know, Rodion's Quits didn't have the, great, the greatest game, but he was awesome there. Jared Dudley, uh, I think that's a real emphasis for the Nets uh, in whatever series we have and in the momentum we bring uh, against the Miami Heat as well. I think defensive rebounding has always been an emphasis throughout the season, um, but I thought tonight it was uh, one of our most complete performances when it came to rebounding. And it was like a team rebounding effort. It wasn't like any single net was just dominating the boards. It was just everyone was hustling and just outworking the Pacers going for the rebounds. Yeah, if you look at the numbers, Corey, Joe Harris, four, Damari Carroll, five, Rodion's Court, seven, Jared Allen, eight, D'Lo, six, Ed Davis, six, Dudley, four, Graham, five, Levert, five. Um, the only guy I had less than four was Spencer Dinwiddie with two. So uh, I think you nailed it on the head right there. And to put that into perspective, only one pacer had more than five rebounds, and that was the bonus with 12. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah, and they were just fighting on the boards. And I thought another area in terms of team defense, the rotations were very good tonight, did a great job of collapsing the paint, especially when the Pacers got a mismatch with, you know, Sabonis or Turner on Thad Young on one of the smaller players. They helped out. Yeah, Definitely. I thought there was only one or two times where, and Jared Dudley recognized it, we're on Sabonis. He, he went down too low and left Corey Joseph wide open for three. Uh, it happened only on a couple of occasions. So for the most part, it did work. Um, and Jared Dudley automatically recognized it. It's like, you know, he can't leave a guy like Corey Joseph open, who is uh, quite a good three-point marksman. But for the most part, I just thought that the, the activity on that end, the intelligence and the engagement just to be able to, to, to complete the plays and just know to make the right plays. Everyone was just on the, the synergy was, was really there. And uh, Jared Dudley, an unlikely spark plug. He, he truly is, um, even though he doesn't move as quick out there, the, the Nets just seem to play with a different kind of energy when he's on the floor. And, you know, four points, four rebounds, four assists, does a little bit of everything for them. Um, it was crazy how much I felt his presence on the court. Yeah, extremely smart player, and I think uh, he does a great job of communicating as well. Some Nets have said that in you know, their post game, but you could hear him on the broadcast, some yelling out different things. So I thought Jared Dudley was crucial, obviously. But let's talk about the backcourt, talk about D'Angelo Russell and Karis LeVert a little bit. What did you guys think of the performance from those two? Yeah, I thought D'Lo was 
almost uh, my favorite play of his from the night was that drive into the lane and that finish on the end one. That's that's something we wouldn't have seen in the first half of the season pre All Star break from D'Angelo Russell. It's come with the confidence and it's come with the swagger. Um, when the Pacers crowd was calling out, get out your phones or iPhones, whatever it was, and he gets the years going. Um, no, I, I love this kid. Uh, I, I can't wait to see him in a playoff setting. Uh, and talking about Carol Savell, I just thought his defensive activity, uh, his ability to get to the line, his strength as well. Um, it, it couldn't be a better time to be playing the way Carol Savell is because uh, he's been absolutely awesome. And I think that they're working and they're, sort of partnership in chemistry right now has been absolutely outstanding. I thought Karras, um, despite, you know, the eight, you look beyond the box score when you watch Karras play. I thought that his ability to switch um, tonight uh, and playing in that sort of team defense, oh, I think he's become our most important player in terms of that aspect as a two-way sort of guy uh, heading into an important postseason. Yeah, I mean, D'Lo, uh, the slow shooting start, but still was impactful, I thought, in that first half. Um, just with his presence, and then the second half closed it out. And then Karis LeVert, it just looks like he's finally starting to get comfortable again. You know, obviously he was balling out before the ankle injury. He looked kind of sluggish those first couple weeks back, or the first month back. Um, and now it just looks to seem like he knows that he can trust his body again. And like you said, defensively, I mean, Karis LeVert is a fantastic two-way guy in this league already. Uh, and the Nets want to have some first-round success. It's going to rely heavily on these two guys. And like you said, I think there's some chemistry being built. Yeah, you brought up a great point, Corey. I felt like D'Angelo, he wasn't knocking down a shot early, but it almost felt like he was like a locked-in QB, hitting Joe Harris on the off-ball, cuts to the rim. Just a lot of good play from him. And then I felt like the Pacers crowd probably got him a little bit more engaged for the third quarter offensively. Then he started to heat up. And like you guys said, Karis LeVert, he's looking confident out there defensively. Like I said, the active hands. But the impressive stuff was the footwork in the paint, getting back to what we saw early in the year and using those long strides to get to the rim. Yeah, I think that earlier in the season, even just a couple of games ago, those plays weren't getting finished by Karras. We, we saw the the athleticism, the spryness. It was all there, but it was just the ability to finish, which at the end of the day is all that matters. And he just seems just more smooth, more comfortable. Mm. Um, and, and I think that that's come with the players around him as well. You know, I, I think that there was no, despite the pressure from Nets Twitter in general, uh, I, I think that the pressure that has been placed upon him by you know, the coaching staff, his teammates had been very minimal. And he's just been able to work his way back in, in such a tremendously quick amount of time after an incredibly serious injury. And he's so important, like I mentioned before. And uh, I, I've just loved seeing him play. And uh, I mean, Nick, I mean, how long are you going to speak about how good he's been playing of late? I, I know we could talk about it all show, but since you are in the U.S. and you brought some positive vibes, we should probably talk about your boy, Joe Harris, who got things cooking right off the bat. I mean, what can we say about Joe Harris? I, I think that um, I was slightly, uh, Nick and I obviously signed to the DMs quite regularly with each other, especially when there's a Nets game on. But um, I sent him all my tep- telepathic love as soon as I arrived in the Northern Hemisphere. And um, he certainly felt it. He certainly felt those juices. It was like the opposite of what happened in Space Jam. He got like extra powers from my arrival in the country. Um, now, I just think that he just has a tremendous uh, intelligence um, that is, I think, underrated and, you know, Corey mentioned his driving. We speak about that quite consistently. I think a lot of people start to realize that now. He doesn't take bad shots. He doesn't make bad plays. Um, he's really strong. Uh, I like his defense on Boyan Bogdanovich tonight as well. I think he made him feel quite uncomfortable. And, and Bogdanovich, obviously a former net, um, has been tremendous for the paces of late. One of their best, if not their best offensive player 
uh, in all the depots absence. So, I mean, I could speak about Joe Harris for a very long time. So I, I better stop uh, before I quit. <laughs> no, he was great. I mean, when the Nets were struggling shooting, I mean, the Nets only shot 37% in that first half. Um, and Joe Harris was really the the reliance of the offense uh, most of that time, was hitting the shots. And I think you're right, Jack, in the sense where he takes what the off what what the defense gives him. He never seems to force what four shots. Um, very calm and patient. I agree with you. Bogdanovich didn't look great tonight either. I know he shot like five for nine, but only 13 points. Normally he's way more aggressive. I think it was really because Joe Harris did bother him on the um, defensive end of the, the ball. Um, so yeah, Joe Harris. Balling. Joe Harris, yeah, it was just another effort from a Nets defender who isn't an elite guy, but putting a little extra effort tonight, and I thought it made the Pacers feel it. Talking about a young player who hasn't necessarily been amazing over the last month, but I felt like he came up with a big game, and that was Jared Allen. 12 points, 8 rebounds, and you definitely felt his presence in the paint defensively. Timely performance from Jared Allen. Uh, I, I thought that he was really good in terms of everything that was asked of him, he did, and he exceeded those expectations. Um, I think his performance went a little bit under the radar, and, and I'm glad that you sort of noticed it, Nick. Rebounding, absolutely fantastic. Um, finishing, absolutely tremendous. You know, his ability to sort of, uh, that sort of righty hook and just be able to sort of slow the game down and just realize, and and, and against a guy like Miles Turner, who, uh, former college teammate, I believe, uh, they learned to the same college at least, um, and one of the best defensive players in the league, you know, defensive player of the year candidate. So to be able to have uh, such an impactful performance, you know, 12.8 rebounds doesn't scream at you when you see in the box score, but uh, I thought that he finished him and he screened really nicely as well. Um, I thought that uh, he was absolutely, he was really, really good tonight. Not teammates at Texas, but they both did go to Texas, Jack. And they're good friends. They communicate their moms or even yeah. friends too. Texas yeah. knows how to get centers. <laughs> um, but also, yeah, Jared Allen stuck out to me too. Um, I thought he matched up really well with Miles Turner early. Uh, he was a problem around the rim all night for the Pacers. Uh, we were constantly worried about him around the rim. And offensively, I think he got stronger. I, I don't know. It just felt like he was kind of maneuvering around in the paint a little bit better than usual. Or maybe uh, the Pacers were just weak and beaten down. But um, Jared Allen definitely looked good tonight. Yeah, you know, he only played 12 minutes against Milwaukee, so he was well-rested coming into this game. I also give credit to the Nets guards, who did a great job of drawing Miles Turner away from Jared Allen so he could clean up on the boards as well. So just like the Nets scouted the Pacers pretty well for this game, comparing to the previous two performances where they lost, this game they came in more prepared and they attacked the Pacers in different ways. And I think that they just were able to do the right things tonight. And it was It seemed like a, just an incredibly complete performance, and uh, a nice coaching uh, performance as well from Coach Kenny to be able to allocate his minutes in a in a really even way. No guy played more than 30 minutes tonight, and that was obviously Joe Harris. If he doesn't play the most minutes, then I don't know who does. He always seems to be uh, the team leaders in minutes. And uh, going to that 10-man rotation, you know, I, I like the sort of in-and-out rotation of, of Dudley and Graham a lot of the time. Uh, I feel like that power forward rotation worked nice. It was Rodion's uh, in mini spurts as well. And with Damari Carroll uh, hurting his wrist um, a, a little bit, and, uh, just a little shout out as well. That finish, um, when he finished over the, the defenders and had to take the time out afterwards, uh, it just showed the toughness of Damari Carroll. You know, if this was a playoff Pretty. game, no, yeah, no doubt he would have been back out there. But uh, uh, the fact that now we have solidified this, Joe Dudley did say before the game, we want to make uh, this, we want to win this game so we can have rest guys, we can dictate things in our own hands. Uh, funnily enough, was it last year that we rested guys against the Heat as well? I think it was a previous season and the Heat were really upset about it. <laughs> well, uh, you have to get used to it again, Miami. Too bad fans. they just can't win their own game, so yep. I don't think about that. Exactly. Shots fired.
Yeah, shots fired. That's okay. Um, I know Corey was rooting for the Heat to win and Dwayne Wade to get in the playoffs, but you know we'll save that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, in my defense, well, I have well, no, I had, I never had a single doubt the Nets were going to make the playoffs. That's why. So Miami making it wasn't going to affect you guys in my mind. You better say that on the buzz. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like you guys were saying, Jared Allen was great. Um, moving on, and Damari Carroll, obviously tough, and he didn't play his best game necessarily. You could tell that wrist was bothering him shooting-wise. But you mentioned Trevion Graham, and I thought he had some crucial plays in this game and earned himself some playoff minutes. Yeah, I, I think that this rotation now is going to be intriguing. Obviously, who we come up against, um, we have locked in a, seven or six, a six or seven seed. We can't go any lower than that, so it means that we'll be playing – Toronto or, or the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how all that sort of pans out. But Nick, after we sort of delve into this game a little bit further, I want to speak a little more overall about this this growth of this franchise and obviously and an outsider's perspective in Corey's because um, Netsuit is going off right now. It's an amazing place to be. I'm glad that I'm in this city um, to just be in the presence of... Um, you know, to be in the presence of greatness, as, as Jay-Z would say. <laughs> it is. It was huge. Obviously, the turnaround, you know, we recently just did a show. You know, weren't there. Will hopped in for you. But we were talking about Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson, what they did for this franchise. And clinching a playoff berth at this point of where they're at is just huge. Yeah. I, I think that I, I can't understand just how and we're seeing right now, guys like Woj, Howard Beck, all these people sort of tweeting out the fact that you know, after that Pearson KG trade, what was going to happen to this Brooklyn Nets team? Where were where was the direction? We get this new coach, we get this new GM, unproven, untried, create this incredibly uh, new culture which has been feigned uh, around the league and has been feigned not just for the those two guys at the head of it, but for the guys that have been brought in, Damari Carroll, Jared Dudley, Ed Davis, these sort of vets who are having an impact. And, you know, I don't think we would see the growth of DeAngelo Russell, Jared Allen, uh, and the like in Karis LeVert without those guys on the roster. I think that the growth individually, we could do a, a three-hour podcast about the growth of this team and the tremendous fairy tale sort of storyline that, you know, I think that now if you're putting a cap on the on the entire season in, in terms of storylines, I think the Nets making the playoffs uh, would have to be number one. You know, my 45.5%, I'm happy to eat my words on that <laughs> 110% happy right now. Corey, from an outside perspective, like, what does this mean, you know, looking at it from the general NBA, the Nets made it to the playoffs after obviously not having their draft pick, training away their players, and being in the situation they were in? For me, I think this is just maybe because the New York has two teams. You compare them to the Knicks. You look at the last decade between both franchises, both, you know, at one point in time having some sort of superstar aligned team, you know, for Mello is the Mello Stoudemire, Jeremy Lin, that era. For the Nets, it was Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Darren Williams, that experiment. And after both those time periods, both of these teams have been rebuilding right along the same time frame, going through the draft. And I think just the Nets being able to scrap it down from to nothing, new GM, new head coach. You have you go through the draft, you trade away your old franchise cornerstone piece in Brooke Lopez to get a guy like D'Angelo Russell to really start the rebuild with him as the core. And now you're in a position where you're you're in the playoffs, you have cap to spend, and you're in one of the greatest cities for sports in New York with the prime chance to get a marquee free agent. I mean, this has been it's incredible what you've done in like a was it like a five year period just about. Yeah, I mean, 
since the last time they made the playoffs was 2014-15. So they did this in a quick turnaround. And you mentioned trading Brooke Lopez and getting D'Angelo Russell, getting your next franchise cornerstone possibly, and bringing all these guys in. We've talked about it. Sean Marks has probably made maybe one bad move the entire time, and that was a trade for Alan Crabb. Other than that, everything else has been pretty spot on. Yeah, and I mean, I'm scrolling Twitter right now, Nick, because you can't help but not. It's, just, <laughs> it's a wonderful time. And the Brooklyn Nets official page, playoffs on the three, one, two, three playoffs. I mean, it's it gives you goosebumps just being a part of this thing. Uh, I think that this team overall and the, the, the build uh, is what has drawn the fans in and is what has cemented them and is what has um, caused them to, to be so stressed, to have sleepless nights. Um, and, and I mean, I had a sleepless night last night and part of it was because of jet lag. Part of it was because I was so nervous about the t- today's game against the, uh, to, against the Indiana Pacers. Um, it's, it's, I'm, I'm struggling for words because uh, they've become such a big part of my identity and you know, in such a short space of time to draw me in and to cause this buy-in from you know, this bloke from, from Melbourne, Australia. Uh, I, I mean, I can't speak highly enough of, of how much I love this team and, and and everyone surrounding it from people on Nets Twitter to Nick to Corey even occasionally. Uh, <laughs> it's been it's been a wonderful season and, and it's only onwards and upwards because uh, I, I don't know for me it feels like this is almost a turning point for how you can rebuild a team. Uh, I, I, it might be hyperbolic and maybe I'm just caught in the moment a little bit, but. We sort of saw the the Sixers um, process has sort of been touted as you know the the way to sort of build a championship sort of contender, but maybe this new sort of quality coaching, quality transactions from a, a quality front office and and a culture build, maybe this is the new way. Yeah, definitely can have an opportunity, especially if the Nets land one of these big names this summer. You know, a Kevin Durant or a Kawhi Leonard. What does this mean to you guys, though, the fact that the Nets were in a situation, a young team doesn't have any type of playoff experience, came on the road, won back-to-back games, and clinched themselves a playoff spot? You know, we would have easily seen young teams in the past, you know, crumble under pressure situations like that. I think it comes down to a lot, Nick, the the leadership that's in the locker room and the leadership that has been displayed throughout the season from D'Angelo Russell, Jared Dudley, Damari Carroll, all the guys on the roster. And, and I think as a collective, you can't single out a, a one single guy because I think throughout the season, you know, that early point of the season, without Carol Severd's brilliance and, you know, putting his name on the most improved player mark uh, before that horrible injury, uh, we wouldn't have had that, you know, tremendous, tremendous start. Throughout that sort of uh, horrible stretch where, you know, the, the season was waning, we were thinking the tank, we wanted to get Zion and RJ. Uh, and, and then we had the leadership of the vets to sort of get us through that players-only meeting. And then beyond that, you know, you have Spencer Dimwitty throughout playing like an absolute man, man, six man of the year contender. If D'Angelo Russell playing like an all-star and cementing him as, you know, one of the the great young point guards in the league. Uh, and throughout that, you have all these role players contributing left, right and center. Trevion Graham night tonight, Joe Harris, three-point contest winner. Uh, and, and Coach Kenny, you know, there's been plenty of criticism, um, but it's going to be fun to finally see uh, this team get the kudos it deserves. I mean, we saw the Clippers celebrate um, just making the playoffs. Uh, and I want to see that the same from this Brooklyn Nets team. It is a tremendous achievement for us to be there. I, I don't care. It's not playoff or bust for, for the NBA, for teams around the NBA. And, and for me, this is an absolutely awesome achievement as a Nets fan. 100%, especially the situation they were in. And you talked about just this season after Karis Avert went down, they went on that losing streak. 
a lot of people lost hope and they wanted to tank and then they went on the winning streak and then things even got tough when Spencer went down. People were like, oh, they might get knocked out of the race. And then it goes down to game by game and they take care of business. It was really impressive to see them step up when it mattered. And just the type of energy they played with tonight sends a big message to you know the Nets organization, the ownership, and probably the rest of the league. And in saying that, Nick, um, obviously we sort of talked a little bit about the, the playoffs upcoming. Michael Zuckerman and John Woo have both jumped in saying, who do we want? Who is the better matchup out of the Sixers in Toronto? Corey, I'll pass it to you first from the outside perspective. Who do you think the Nets match up with better? Um, I'm going to say probably Toronto, uh, even though I think Kawhi Leonard is still a problem for them. I think you'd rather have the team that doesn't have so many offensive juggernauts. Well, I think the Sixers offensively could be more of an issue. Um, so personally, I think Toronto would be the better matchup. I agree. I think Joel Embiid is just a monster. He's due for a monster postseason. Jared Allen, Ed Davis, they don't really have enough to do with them. If Trevion Graham is going to knock down threes, I've talked about it before, he's not an elite defender, but he's a guy that could at least give Kawhi a hard time. So the and Karis LeVert, who stepped up defensively the last few games, they at least have a, a chance to slow down the Raptors where Toronto uh, – where, uh, Philadelphia just has so many mismatches where it's just going to cause them problems defensively. They're just going to have to shoot and score at a crazy rate to beat a team like the Sixers. I agree, but I'll say outside of Joel Embiid, I think the Nets match up kind of well. Um, I, I think that Ben Simmons isn't that much of an issue. Jimmy Butler has had some games here and there. Tobias Harris has had some games here and there. But they also don't have many great guard defenders. And we have three really, really good guards on our roster. So, and both, all three of them are starting to play some good basketball. Spencer Dimity's getting to the line a lot more now. Karis Levert, we've spoken about him. Giannis Russell, we know what he can do. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's fun to finally be talking about player basketball and saying, who do we want more? Whereas, you know, just three or four games ago, I was like, we're not making it. Who cares? It's, it's a 40% chance. So, um, I will say that the Raptors are a better matchup. I think when we... Did that on our mailbag as well, Nick. I think I said the Raptors. Um, there are positives and negatives to both. I think Kawhi Leonard, uh, I'm incredibly uh, wary of his playoff uh, credentials. He's an absolutely awesome performer. And I think he's going to really step up and have a massive postseason. And you know, the first round opponent, be it us or Detroit or Orlando, whoever it's going to be, is going to have to be super wary of him. But I think now that Trevion Graham is back in the rotation, I think that we might see a little bit more of him. And I know you hinted at him as well, Nick. So uh, I'm looking forward to dissecting that in, in a little more depth. And uh, the fact that we're talking about playoff basketball, it's surreal. A realistic playoff scenario. We talked to, uh, you know, hypotheticals all season long, and this it actually matters. And I think you brought up a great point with the Sixers not being able to defend guards. If the Nets could somehow get Joel Embiid in foul trouble in a Sixers series, that would be huge. And I know he just was banged up in some way. He finished the game, I think, against the Bulls, but there was some slight injury, if I'm not mistaken. Knee, knee injury. His knee, he was limping a couple times. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm not wishing injury on him or anything like that, but there's always a possibility of him missing time. And then, obviously, I think from the Toronto perspective, the Nets are hoping they can prove to Kawhi they're a worthy team for him to sign with this summer. Now, in terms of the Nets, and we sort of I spoke about the storyline, obviously I have some bias. Does the Nets making the playoffs, and I'll put it to both of you, give Coach Kenny even more elevation in the Coach of the Year rankings and the Coach of the Year race? It does. I, I mean, I think anytime your team goes from the expectations of possibly being in the playoffs to then being a sure playoff team and making the playoffs matters, the fact that D'Angelo was an all-star, the fact that you saw a bunch of these guys take a leap in their game, got the Karis LeVert and Joe Harris, I think it's all credit to Kenny Atkinson. Um, but I, I don't think... 
I don't think it elevates him enough to actually be a serious candidate to win, but I think his name deserves to be in the conversation. Yeah, I think Corey's right here. He's not going to win the award, but I think it probably boosts him up. Maybe he was a top five candidate, and now maybe he's a top three candidate because what you know, if uh, they don't win the next game, they end with forty-one wins. They won twenty-eight games last year. That's a thirteen-game boost. You know, that's a pretty big improvement without any major roster additions. Yeah, they added some solid veterans, but it's we not told like- about Joe Dudley. That's an easy <laughs> baby. But I mean, like they didn't add all stars. You know, guys yeah. got healthy, but a lot of it was player development and just building on what they had and taking that next step. Yeah, and I think that that just speaks, you know, so ridiculously highly. And you know, we see um, is it Trajan Langdon who's in the the race for the New Orleans Pelicans? Yes, GM race as well. So I think it speaks to the organization as a whole um, to to how successful this Nets team has been and. And how you can build, and uh, I mean, speaking uh, in a, in a more wider perspective, you know, it, it just shows you that when you get a collective buy-in from a, an entire organization, an entire team, from top down, it shows the results that you can get. And, and I think that that speaks also to to the Indiana Pacers and how they've sort of uh, overachieved uh, their sort of expectations. You know, since last year when you know Victor Oladipo really broke out. But um, just a little tidbit. Do you guys think that Kenny Atkinson has taken over or is ahead of Nate McMillan in the coach of the year race now? I know that he's probably in my top five, but um, I'm a little bit biased with Coach Kenny. The fact that we've almost had a paces last season to an extent with, you know, D'Angelo Russell mirroring Victor Oladipo becoming an all-star and that sort of tremendous sort of jump and that sort of thing. Uh, What are your thoughts on the the battle between those two uh, credential coaches? Well, Corey was pretty pissed at Nate McMillan today, so this is a good day to ask him. <laughs> um, even despite uh, the fact that we played everybody and Nate McMillan wanted to try and get rotations right today, I think McMillan is still, in my opinion, a clear-cut like number two, three for Coach of the Year, and I don't think Kenny is ahead of him. Um, the fact, even though March was brutally rough, the schedule just wasn't favorable. We had to play the Warriors, Celtics, the Thunder, playoff team after playoff team. But for what they did without Victor Oladipo for most of the season, having guys like Madonavich with a career year, um, you know, Sabonis has taken a step forward, you know, 30, do- 30 double doubles off the bench this year. Um, you know, the fact that this team was a three seed for much of the year, they're still going to be a five seed. They're locked in that spot as right now. Um, I, for me, I think McMillan is still ahead in the coach of the year. I think they're right around the same level. I don't think there's a huge difference. It's not like either guy's going to win, but I think they'll both be in the conversation. You know, obviously coach Bud or the Bucks is probably going to win and Mike Malone would probably be the second choice. Yeah, I would have, you know, Mike Budenhoser. Um, uh, and I think that, you know, whoever's second doesn't really mean a lot to me. Uh, I, I think <laughs> Malone, Jaeger, McMillan. Atkinson, I think that they're sort of like a tied for second. Um, obviously, if you're not first, you're last. Um, in, in when it comes to the awards race, even though I did just say that the fact that the Nets just made the playoffs was an achievement. Um, <laughs> everything in perspective, guys. Everything in perspective. But um, uh, Jason Case says the Nets will win the NBA Finals. Nick, Corey, what's the percentage on the fact that the Nets will win the NBA Finals this year? Corey, point, point zero 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 one. I don't so know. Wait, what's what's the meme? So there's a chance. Yeah, there's a chance. <laughs> so I'll be I'll be a real more I'll be way more optimistic and say one percent here. <laughs> yeah, I'll go point nine percent. Just go a little bit under there. Okay. You know we're improving, Jack. You're stepping up. That the playoffs is open a different side of you. I mean, it's 
when you're happy, Nick, and you're grounded and you're in an international city, you're having grilled cheese for lunch with sweet potato tots and you're having tacos for dinner at 11 p.m. in, in one of the best <laughs> in the world, um, then life is pretty good, mate. Life is pretty good. Now, what do you guys think is going to happen against Miami? Do you think the Nets are going to look to rest players? Obviously, Jack mentioned they can either lock up six or seven tonight, depending on what happens in Orlando-Boston game. But it looks like they might want to rest, you know, a guy like Demar Carroll or even a Jared Dudley. It's it's going to be they're going to be rested. I think we will see some minutes from Ronald Hollis Jefferson. Um, I think we might see some minutes from Shabazz Napier. Um, I, I think that the rotation was about ten tonight. I think it'll be similar. Um, you know, you don't want to do anything silly. You don't want to play D'Angelo Russell 35 minutes beyond. Um, I don't think any guy is going to get more than 30, 31 minutes. Um, you want to maintain momentum and m- maintain winning form. But at the same time, you know, there's been plenty of NBA pundits that have spoken about the notion of momentum and winning form. Doesn't matter when you get into the playoffs. It's a completely new ball game. You reset. And I think that that notion is more important for this Nets team. Health is going to be number one. Um, and we're tremendous underdogs against Sixers or the Raptors. Um, but at the same time, you know, you can you can only battle what you're given. And this team has exceeded expectations and, you know, knocked down plenty of naysayers throughout the season individually and as a collective. So um, never say never. Um, if I had to guess, I'll say you guys probably rest, guys. The only way I see maybe they play is if you guys have a situation where you can get a different matchup in the playoffs. Uh but I think unless – no, they didn't have the Celtics win tonight. So more, more than likely, probably should just rest guys. Like you guys said, DeMar Carroll's banged up. Trevion Graham has looked impressive, at least in the last game. I watched against the Pacers just now. So maybe he gets some more minutes, and Ronnie Hollis Jefferson gets some more minutes. But realistically, probably rest. Yeah, I'd probably sit uh, DeMar Carroll for sure. Probably sit Jared Dudley because he's been playing a lot the last two games. I'd even consider resting D'Angelo Russell just because his workload has been so high the second half of the season. You want him spry as possible for the playoffs. And then maybe it gives Spencer Dinwiddie an opportunity to get his shot back. You know, he had a solid third quarter, but he was missing some threes over the last few weeks. What other guys would you consider resting, Jack and Corey? Um, I think you'd probably give D'Lo a little bit more rest. I don't think you know, you take these guys out of the rotation. Um, you know, Jared Allen, you know, 28 minutes for him tonight. I think he's been working hard. Um, whether you take some of minutes away from Joe Harris a little bit to keep him fresh. Um, uh, at the same time, you know, I think you don't want to mess with what has been a winning formula. These past two games have been absolutely awesome. And, and I think Coach Kenny um, is a grinder. And he said that following this game, he's going to have a nice little wine. Um, I might have to buy myself a cheeky little cider from one of the uh, bodegas down here just to have a, a little bit solid, solid celebration myself. But um, I don't think it's necessarily going to matter that much. I think that as long as we come out on skates, um, hopefully with the win, um, and you know, if the tickets go down a little bit cheap, I might head there myself because they're giving away free T-shirts as well for the first 10,000 fans. No, that's not bad at all. I mean, and Jack and I will definitely be purchasing our t- tickets for the playoffs. So, you know, Jack asked me to go to the game against the Heat. told him no, and now I don't even have to go, so I don't feel bad at all. <laughs> that's it. Um, now, uh, guys, uh, Sean Marks, obviously, we've spoken about him at length. Um, executive of the year, where does he rank in that race? I think without a big time acquisition, it's usually hard to win that award. You know, he didn't, it was, it's more of his body of work has been so good. So I don't think he'll get the award. Let's say the Nets sign Katie or Kawhi this summer and they go on to have a deep playoff series next year. He'll probably win the award because it'll be the work he's done over the last few seasons. I don't think he made a splashy enough move for them to be like, oh, we'll give it to him this year. I think it'll probably go to somebody else. 
I agree. I, I think you have to have some sort of acquisition or several acquisitions that kind of bolster your team and roster. Obviously, this has been the slow play with building through the drafts and everything else. Um, so maybe he can be executive of the decade uh, <laughs> in the future, but um, this year probably goes elsewhere. Um, I think that he's probably second. I think it probably likely goes to, is it John Horse, uh, the guy in, in Milwaukee? Yeah. Uh, and his team. Um, no, I think that Ed Davis, Jared Dudley, um, uh, we've spoken about and lots of other Nets Twitter have spoken about Ed Davis being one of the best free agents the Nets have signed since they got to Brooklyn um, in terms of getting him in free agency and the impact that he's had. You know, Damari Carroll obviously was a few years ago. And then I think you just look at the the general coaching that's happening. You know, I think Trevion Graham has been a nice little add too. So um, uh, it depends on what you judge executive of the year on, but uh, I think John Horst probably has it. But um, Sean Marks should get some votes. I believe that – so Masai can't win for Toronto because he's not the GM, so I believe it's Bobby Webster. And I think he'd probably be second because he got Kawhi on such a steal and the team has worked out so seamlessly. And they got Marcus Gasol midseason too. And they didn't even really give up a ton. Yeah, uh, but at the same time, um, I, I think that, Nick, I'm going to be a bit more optimistic about it, mate. I'm taking <laughs> on Marks number two. Who would have ever thought that on a Brooklyn Buzz or live or not that um, – I'm the the optimistic one. It's always the opposite. What they get you on the plane? <laughs> I'll even say for like my executive of the year is Elton Brand from Philly because so I think Philly making all these all in moves and getting Tobias Harris and getting guys like Jimmy Butler kind of stick out. But um, sip the Kool Aid, Jack. It's okay. <laughs> it's your day. It's your hour. Just just soak it in. Let it. Everyone from the Nets win. Everybody's getting <laughs> awards. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, I don't like Kool-Aid. Awards, though. Sorry to cut you off, Jack. Does making the playoffs help D'Angelo's case, a case for most improved player? No, I think uh, it helps. We sort of spoke about the other awards for Coach Kenny and the rest. I think it helps Coach Kenny's Coach of the Year um, race a little bit more. I think Pascal Siakam um, has been awesome, and I think that the narrative around him is probably likely where it's going to go. Uh, it helps him a little bit. Um, it certainly doesn't hurt it. Um, but yeah, you know, Corey, uh, leave the Kool-Aid, mate. I want to get me some Tropicana, nice little pulp <laughs> juice, extra pulp, extra pulp. Extra pulp. Um, I don't think it hurts. I don't say it necessarily helps. Um, but obviously it's another accolade for a season where he was an all-star. Um, his stats have jumped up. He led the team to the playoffs. I think that is, uh, nice to have on the resume, but I don't think it necessarily pushes him above Siakam. Siakam, again, had a, a fantastic day today against Miami Heat. Yeah, I mean, in the narrative, obviously, is not on D'Angelo's side. <laughs> now, now, Nick, let me ask you, obviously, you've been a, a fan a lot longer than me. In terms of feelings and achievements and just uh, your, your overall mood right now as a Nets fan, how it compares you know, in, in your history, where does this feeling, where does this achievement rank for you? Uh, this is pretty big. Obviously, during the finals runs with Jason Kidd, I was still pretty young, and I was around when it was Jason Kidd, Vince Carter, Richard Jefferson, and Ben. So a lot of those playoff games. But this team, and under a team that was an underdog that wasn't supposed to be in the playoffs, getting here, building up from pretty much the dust that was left by Billy King, and putting themselves in a great position. It's not like they went on and traded for an All Star was going to leave in the offseason or something like that. These are young players we've grown to love from uh, Karis LeVert, D'Angelo Russell, Jared Allen, Joe Harris, whoever it may be. I think there's a real bond with these guys, and I'm excited and I'm happy and I feel good because I was pretty – I don't want to say confident that's would make the playoffs, but I was pretty confident they would be in the mix all season long. And for them to actually get there, especially with the LeVert injury, is just huge. So I know I'm not super jumpy right now, but I used all my emotion during the game. <laughs> when did that 
Um, when did that sort of tide turn for you? Um, obviously, you know, we've been covering the, the Mets season as a whole quite in depth. Was there a point for you that you sort of were like, hmm, something's changing here? I thought that play, that winning streak after the losing streak and just the team coming together. And it was just like a lot of things that happened where it was just good energy, good rotations, things that are winning basketball. And I feel like since December 7th, when they beat the Raptors, the Nets have gone from being, you know, an okay, mediocre team, a fighting team to actually being a good NBA team. It's not like, hey, this team just plays hard every night. And like, hey, no, this team could actually beat a lot of good teams on a regular basis. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Corey, uh, I sort of spoke about the fact that this could be like the number one storyline, you know, just to, in terms of, you know, if the Sacramento Kings had made the, the playoffs, that would have been one. I think Orlando Magic's sort of rise and, and their sort of defensive prowess under Steve Clifford has been quite nice too. But I think the, the sort of narrative around the Nets has been kind of um, sort of usurped that in a sense. And, you know, I, I know our boy Gus uh, at OGD Basketball has some top 15 moments of the season um, that has been just going to come out really, really soon. Where does this rank for you as an outsider perspective, the net season as a whole? Um, I mean, I think we both predicted them to be playoff teams on the buzz. Uh, no, I'm not on the buzz, on the NBA outlet before the season. Um, I think we had them actually right on the cusp. In, yeah, uh, like, like an 8-9 range, right? I'll stab myself in the heart for not buying in at that time. I remember being like on the line. I was like, my heart wants the Nets to be the playoff pick, but my brain is saying pick the Pistons. So we were close. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think the Nets have been tremendous. Uh, obviously, seeing all these guys rise to get, rise from what they've – rebuilding a team is not easy. We've seen it not work. Obviously, Phoenix has been rebuilding for how long? Like, sometimes you just don't get out of the rebuild. And the fact that the Nets have gotten out of the rebuild, and then this is kind of like the coming out party, right? Every team when they're rebuilding has that year where they just kind of come out. Like for the Warriors, we all saw it. When uh, Curry, Clay, and Draymond got to the – the second round of the first round, the last Mark Jackson season, that was like their coming out season. Now, this isn't to that same extent, obviously. Like, sorry, guys, don't not, uh, don't no, say it yet, Corey. The playoffs <laughs> haven't happened. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, this has kind of been that rise where all of these young guys are starting to blossom and they're starting to pop and almost all together at the same time. The timelines have matched up, they still have all the money. So, for me, this is almost like the door is now open for the Brooklyn Nets, and now you're walking into a new world. <laughs> sustained success and I think that was always the goal for Sean Marks it wasn't hey we're just gonna make the playoffs a couple of years and then do it again no we're gonna start we're gonna keep building and getting better every season and that's what they've done since he's taken over him and Kenny have done an excellent job yeah I think that in terms of I remember last year Nick I was still in London and you know we did our Thanksgiving episode and we said who are we most thankful for in terms of Sean Marks uh, <laughs> I think that coach Kenny um, has been great. I remember I tweeted out, you know, when he got that extension, you know, his first moments um, as as the Nets coach. And I think that the the team is just so reflective of him in terms of his personality. You know, we see the fact that there is no superstar on this team, I think allows them to grow uh, and, and be coached uh, a, a lot more not a lot more hard, a lot harder. Um, and, and I think that D'Lo is bought into that and being the team sort of quote-unquote franchise player and wanting that sets the standard in a way whereas if you had Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard on this team I'm not sure if you get that same buy-in because the star players are what run this league and that's a great thing because you know they are the talent they are what sells tickets but in terms of what makes this team great it's because that there is such a buy-in from top down 
you know, the the assistant coaches working one-on-one with all the guys from Damari Cowell to, to Joe Harris, working on all the little things that make them so good. Um, I, I think that Coach Kenny deserves a tremendous amount of credit this season. You know, I think the season before, like you mentioned, Nick Sean Marks did, uh, and both of them are just like, you can't say uh, enough good things about them. And he's done a great job of mixing and matching different rotations and matching up with different guys. Like these last two games, going to small ball or playing Trevion Graham a little bit more. I thought his adjustments, he, him as a coach has improved a lot this season compared to where he was last year or even the beginning of the year. So a lot of credit to him. He's going to have a chance in a playoff series to really display his full coaching level. Yeah, and I think that the the coaching matchup against Nick Nurse or Brett Brown, you know, both, all of these guys, you know, Brett Brown has had some playoff experience, Nick Nurse is an assistant, um, but I think that there could be a fascinating sort of battle there because when it gets down to the playoffs, that's when I think coaching starts to matter a lot more because you're versing the same team. You can scout a lot more. You need to change things on the fly. Um, you know, the Celtics um, exceed expectations and beat the Sixers when the momentum was going their entire way. And that was because, uh, in a lot of people's eyes, and you know, it was a huge factor. Brad Stevens outcoached Brett Brown, um, and I think that you know, Coach Kenny is not on the same level as Brad Stevens yet, um, but he has plenty of accolades and he has plenty of um, runs under his legs that I think he could. Um, he has a chance to outcoach one of these guys, even though those teams are way heavily stacked. And like Corey said, you know, the talent on the Sixers right now is just something else, and they're, and they're starting five. But um, there's a chance where we can sort of get something with our assistant coaches and our coaching team to sort of level up a little bit. What do you think, Corey, in terms of a coaching matchup in the first round against Nick Nurse or Brett Brown? Could Kenny take the edge? Um, I mean, I, I mean, over Brett Brown, yeah. I mean, Brett Brown has shown that he's kind of uh, a borderline good coach. Like He might get bailed out a little bit because of his talent um, and because he hasn't done it in the playoffs. Obviously, last year, Brad Stevens coached him literally out of the playoffs. That was um, when you saw coaching on full display. Nick Nurse, I think Nurse is a solidified good coach. Um, I've loved what he's done in Toronto, watching them again today in Miami. They were down late in that game against Miami. Kyle Lowry was not great today, struggled shooting-wise. They got some big performers from, like, Norman Powell, who was 7 for 7 from the field. But I think Nurse is just a good head coach. I think Brett Brown can be exposed by a guy like Kenny, who, I mean, obviously with no true star yet on the nets, they play within each other, and they have a very good sound system. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. That'll be something to kind of keep an eye on as the playoffs approach and we find out who's going to be that matchup for the Nets. Yeah, and I think that, you know, we'll be watching. Um, it's it's odd to say that now that there's some comfort as a Nets fan because throughout this, the other 81 games, 80 games, that certainly hasn't been the case. So the fact that now we can sort of rest easy, so to speak, um, you know, I think that, you know, just be able to just, you know, rest our feet a little bit, wait for when the, the playoffs come out when we've got those games um I, I can't wait for when those tickets come out it's going to be an exciting time for nets fans around the world guys anything else you want to touch on today before we get out of here we got any questions from the youtube viewers jack um there's some more holistic ones about do we think musa can have more of an impact next year from michael zuckerman uh, do you want to address that i sort of said that and it's sort of sort of been answered by our guys in the chat the fact that you know the best thing for his growth um, has been playing in the D-League. Uh, our boy, Will Jackson, for uh, one of the co-hosts of the Brooklyn Buzz, just popping in to say woo with uh, <laughs> an, an inordinate amount of O's. Uh, Hector Mercedes says, how many games did the Nets win? Um, in terms of the playoff race, do you want to say that for a playoff preview, sort of uh, do a little teaser? Yeah. 
type yeah, stuff. Yeah, we can save that for the playoff preview. Maybe we'll get a special guest on for that as well. And just to touch on Musa, I think uh, obviously we talked about this a lot. A full offseason with the Nets and getting actual weight on allowed him to play in the NBA. Little Absolutely. tidbit for your guys' final game. The Miami Heat just waived Rodney McGruder. Yeah. And then it's to get under the luxury tax. Correct. And Magruder is, you know, he had a solid start to the season, but he really tailed off. Obviously, no one's going to pick him up right now because they couldn't use him on a playoff roster. But I think he's a solid guy in the offseason. I wouldn't be surprised if the Nets took a look at him just because of his possibility of developing a little bit more. Yeah, yeah I thought that he had a really good start to the season. You know, there was a, a, a lot of love for him from, you know, general NBA pundits. Um, he seems to be uh, a decent enough fit on plenty of NBA teams. I don't think it'll be the last we see of Rodney Magruder, but... Um, the funny thing that we're going to end on a, a Rodney Magruder take, Corey. <laughs> well, Why no. do you ruin this podcast? No, I actually have, I'm going to end it on welcome to the playoffs. Welcome uh, to welcome to playing uh, past the season end. Well, thank you. The Nets will no longer be on a cruise right now. They at least have four games to play. And like Jack said, we'll be diving into a deep preview. We'll probably do one on the NBA outlet for entire Eastern Conference, but then we'll give you a special one just on the Brooklyn Buzz. As always, pleasure talking to you, Jack, Corey. Thank you, everybody, for checking in. Check us out iTunes, Block Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, Netsblog.com, and YouTube. And happy to be in the playoffs. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.